Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. There's going to come a point. It may not be today. In fact, it may not be until eternity. And you'll see that there's, there's a reward in heaven for how you've managed what it is that you have been given. And that, that is a true thing. But we also see in this life, there's a lot of accountability too. And I think in a lot of ways, God does hold us accountable, not because he's trying to pay us back, but because he's trying to bring us back. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. When it comes to money, we all have one thing in common, and that is we want to be smart with it. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers very clear principles on how we can wisely manage money and be good stewards of the resources we have been given. We will find that some of those principles will align with commonly held beliefs in the world, and some of the teachings of the Bible will be different from the world's beliefs about money. In this sermon series, we'll be examining all of the ways we can biblically be smart with our money. Please enjoy the message. Senior demon writing letters to a junior demon about how to influence people away from, as they would say, the enemy, who we know as our gracious Heavenly Father. How to, how to influence Christians away from following Jesus. And so he's writing these letters to his junior demon on how to do it. And there's a variety of different pro- approaches and strategies that are proposed in this book. And one of the most effective that the senior demon advises the junior demon on is to make you and I and all of us think that we really own what we have. Actually, I'll share a quote with you from that book. The sense of ownership is always to be encouraged among humans, this senior demon writes to the younger one. Humans are always putting up claims to ownership, which sounds equally funny in heaven and in hell. When you have a perspective of eternity, you realize you really don't own it. We must continue to keep them doing this because the joke of human beings actually using the word mine in its fully possessive sense. He's saying there is a lesser sense that yes, it is yours for a short period of time, but it's not yours really. Cannot be uttered about anything because in the long run, our father, referring to Satan, and the enemy, referring to God, will say mine about each and everything that exists, especially about every man. They will find out in the end to whom their body, their time, their souls belong, but certainly not to them. The enemy, referring to God, says mine of everything based on the fact that he made everything. Or as Jesus would say it, what good does it do you to inherit the entire world and yet forfeit your soul? So we're all given something different to manage. And Jesus goes on in verse 16. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more talents. To, to also the one with two talents uh, of gold, of, he, he went and gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, he dug a hole in the ground, he hid his master's money there. Now here's something else that's very interesting about this that really dials into, I think, some of our psychology as people is Jesus doesn't fight the fact that some have more than others and some have less than others. He just acknowledges that reality and he actually implies that there's some intentionality to it. 
that God has entrusted us all with something different to manage. And as he would say there, it's based on your ability. Now the world's broken and it doesn't quite work out exactly like that. But we've all been given something different to manage. Very intentionally by God in that, that for some of you is important. You know why? Because you feel sad that you don't have more. That you've missed out on opportunities. That you've maybe wasted. And, and I, if you went out and spent $10,000 on lottery tickets, you wasted. But you are sad because you don't have more. And here's what's even another side of this. Is you are sad because you have more. But maybe the reason you have more is because God knows how faithful you will be with the more that you have been given. And that's really what this is all about. This, this message and even the next few that I'm going to give you is about us all having a right perspective to be faithful with what we've been given. Whether it's five or two or one or whatever, ends up with that phrase of well done, good and faithful servant. And so how is it that we can manage well what it is that we have been given? Just quickly. A good manager is someone who is generous with their giving. They're generous with their giving. They're not, they're not trying to constantly get more, get more, get more, hoard more, hoard more. We all know the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea illustration, I've shared it time and a few times, that, that if we're just collecting and we're just getting, we end up dead. It is when it's able to pass through that there is life. That's the blessing. I like what Paul says in Acts as he quotes Jesus. He says this, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it's a blessing. Because I've got about a thousand, or I've had about a thousand toys in my house at different times. And let me tell you something, it is a blessing to give them away. <laughs> it is such a blessing. It's a blessing to give somebody 20 bucks who's in need. It's a blessing to give back to your church when there's opportunity. It's a blessing to say yes whenever there's that chance to say yes to whatever it is that the Lord might be leading you to say yes to. It's always, I mean, it is such a blessing to give. But I tell you, it's a bit of a curse whenever you accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. I don't know how much of a blessing that really is. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives, and we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program.
So a good manager is somebody who's a generous giver. A good manager is also somebody who's a steady savior. That you're just going to set aside a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You automate it. I mean, this is all basic financial advice. You just automate it and you're saying, you know, we're going to make sure every month there's a little bit set aside in some kind of an account that's, that I'll get to when I'm 65 or whatever age it is you get to it. Or there's going to be a little bit of money set aside in some kind of savings account so I can take care of my car if there's an emergency. Or maybe we go on a quick trip if there's an opportunity or whatever it is. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11 says this, of being a steady saver. Money that comes easily disappears quickly. But money that is gathered little by little, a little bit by a little bit, will grow. And the point there is like, yeah, if you get it easy, you're not going to appreciate it as much. There's been a shift over the last few decades of missions work overseas in which Americans would go overseas and we would do work for people and that, that had a particular need and then we would leave. And what they found out is that the people wouldn't take care of all the, of the work that was done. So like water wells wouldn't be tended to the way that they needed to be. And so there's been a shift to say, we're going to help you, but we're also going to teach you. And we're going to have you be a part of this project. We're going to have you actually have skin in the game because if it comes too easily to you, it's just going to go away. But a little bit by little bit, it adds up. It happens that way for each and every one of us. Again, simple, basic financial advice that maybe some of us need. Another thing is a good manager is wise with spending. That they're not going to covet. And they're not going to go out and just uh, grab a hold of everything that they want. Instead, there's a sense in which they're going to grab after the things that they need. Luke chapter 12 verse 15 says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness because that's really what leads us to being frivolous spenders is we see something that we want and we just go get it. We don't really think about it because we covet it so bad. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Tim Keller is a pastor who recently passed away, unfortunately, but he shared a concept that I thought was rather intriguing about the Garden of Eden. And he said in the beginning, specifically in Genesis chapter 2, God gave Adam and Eve two things. He gave them each other, and he referenced, he makes a correlation there with sex, actually. The two coming together as one, sexually. But then he also talks about that, they, that Adam and Eve were given the world. They were given all the stuff, possessions. And he says that in that, they were given dignity. I think that there's something to that, that, that our things do give us dignity. So it's not all bad. Now, hang, hang with me there. Because I think that we know that intrinsically because when you see someone who is homeless, who is really suffering, who is down and out, you look at them and, and if their shoes are falling apart or maybe they aren't fully clothed, you realize there's a certain sense of dignity that has been lost there because they haven't had those basic needs met. What does that have to do with this? with spending. Well, spiritually speaking, this is what it has to do with it. Your things and the things that we buy give us dignity to some extent. But where we go wrong with the things that we buy and the money that we spend is when we're trying to grab a hold of things and possess things that are going to define us. What I'm saying is, is that your things and my things do give us a sense of dignity. That isn't wrong. Where it goes wrong is when it defines us. Are you allowing are we allowing our possessions to define us like is your sense of self-worth based upon the size of your house whether you do own it we use that very loosely right my the, i own about 25 percent of my house 
So is there a sense in which our sense of self-worth is based on the quality of the possessions that we have? Then that's wrong. We've allowed these things and this stuff that we've got to define us. And Jesus, again, is trying to guide us back and say, no, this doesn't define you. I define you. But yes, there is a certain level of basic need that we need to have met in our lives that Adam and Eve presented to us so long ago. The last part of being a good manager is this, is that we need to be cautious with debt. And again, there's a very important spiritual lesson in being cautious with the debt that we take on. It's that 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 debt that we have, we can become a slave to it. Proverbs 22, verse 7 tells us this, that the borrower is slave to the lender. And in Colorado, we are not doing well with this. In Colorado, we have the fourth highest debt burden nationally. In Colorado, we have the fifth highest mortgage balance. In Colorado, we have increased our debt at four times the national average. We've had more appreciation on our homes than perhaps ever has ever happened in the last five, six years. It's incredible, the amount of appreciation. And with that, we have taken on more and more debt. That's not being cautious with the debt that we, the, the debt that we incur in our lives. We're becoming slaves to it. And again, spiritually speaking. So we know that. You can go listen to Dave Ramsey and anyone else. They'll tell you all about how you need to manage your debt. But here, I'm going to talk to you about it spiritually. It's going to be hard for you and I to say yes to God if we have too much debt in our life. It's going to be hard for you to say yes to going on a mission trip when you have to work that week and you have to get that deal done and, and you need to make a few more dollars through whatever it is that you're doing with the profession that you have. It's going to be hard to say yes to going on a mission trip. Or how about this? It's going to be hard for you to say yes to just giving someone some money if you have too much debt. We were sending our students off to camp for the first time a few years ago. It had been the first time in several years we had sent students away to camp. And so Juan Fallis, our student pastor, stood up in front of our church and he talked about what they were going to do and, and, and how we were going to go about it. And we were actually trying to raise a little bit of money to pay down the cost of the camp, which is something that we, we do pretty regularly, whether it's mission trips or, or kids going to camp. We want to make it as affordable as we possibly can. And so after the service, a woman comes up to him from our church and says, here, and we're trying to raise $50, $75, $100, something like that from most of the people. Not, not necessarily a, a lot, shouldn't be overly burdensome to people, but she comes up to Juan and says, here's a check for $3,000. God told me to give it to you. Use this to pay down the camp for the kid, the camp cost for the kids. She couldn't have said yes if she had too much debt. And my fear is that here in Colorado, we got a lot of people that are saying no to God and whatever it is the Lord is leading them to do because we've got too much debt in our lives. And it can be us in supporting our church. It can be us in, again, trying to help somebody out who's in need. What if God's like, I want you to go to Bible college. I want you to go into ministry. Well, I can't. I've got this $500, $600, $700 car payment. So Wells Fargo or whoever that loan is through is really your master, not God. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. 
I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. Jesus said, we cannot serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other. You'll love the one and hate the other. We all agree with that. But then what's interesting is the example that he gives from there. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Because money is the thing that can become our God, maybe more than anything else that's in this world. And, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't believe in God or believe in Jesus, or you're somebody who, you know, maybe you're new to our church. I mean, I'm telling you, we don't talk about this very often. In fact, this past week, I went and I I was looking at some of my old sermons and how often we have talked about this. And I've been here six years, a little over that. There have been over 300 sermons preached, not all by me, but over 300 sermons preached. You know, there's only been about 12, maybe 13 of them that have been about this topic. Jesus, almost 40% of his messages were about this topic. Like, I would never do that. I mean, that's not, that's not going to grow any church. <laughs> he changed the world talking like that, though. Because if you get it from his perspective, it does change your life. And yeah, you know, I know that we own things, but here's the deal. The reality is, is that most of those things own us. Going back into Matthew 25, verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. There's going to be a point at which the accounts get settled. Then the man who had received, and he goes, he gives to the five, the man who had five. He went to the man who had five, and he saw that he had doubled it. And so he says, well done, good and faithful servant. The one that had two, he doubled it, turned it to four. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then he goes to the one, the one talent. He said, and then that person said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. In other words, I know that you were, I knew that you were going to hold me accountable. I was scared. So I went out and I hid your, hid the gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
So take the bag of gold, take the talent from him and give it to the one who is 10. In verse 30, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what Jesus teaches us here again is that God, God will ultimately hold us accountable for what we have been given to manage. It's all, there's gonna come a point. It may not be today. In fact, it may not be until eternity. And you'll see that there is, there is a reward in heaven for how you've managed what it is that you have been given. And that, that is a true thing. But we also see in this life there's a lot of accountability too. And I think in a lot of ways God does hold us accountable not because he's trying to pay us back, but because he's trying to bring us back. And yeah, maybe God will leave you to your own devices and cause you to lose everything. Yeah, maybe God will allow that divorce to happen because you, let's just be honest, you spent too much time working. And just let's be honest, you did it because you wanted to make more money because that stuff, those things were what defined you. I've seen a lot of people get held accountable, not necessarily through their work or, or through their possessions, but through their children. And you see the kids often get caught up in drugs or, or in criminal behavior because there was never a parent around to guide them and lead them and direct them. A lot of accountability out there. See, people have early health issues because they've worked so much. Things that they shouldn't be dealing with in their 50s, it's more of in your 70s, your 80s, you deal with those types of health issues and it comes on them early because they've never tended to that. It's a lot of ways I think we get held accountable. But here's the one thing I do know is ultimately it all gets laid bare. Hebrews says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked, exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom ultimately we are accountable. And so we, we, would, do, we would do ourselves well to be focused on him. I learned that lesson a long time ago, and I wish I could tell you that it's something that, that I'm good at. I wish I could say I, I, I'm 100% I'm on this one, but I'm not. Maybe I'm just a good baseball player and I'm, I'm about 30% on this one. But I gotta keep my eyes focused on him because if I don't, I could just get caught up in accumulating things. It's, and I learned this lesson playing chess. When I first started playing chess, I just thought the goal was to get the pieces. And so I would, I would focus on trying to get the pawns of whoever my opponent was. I wanna get as many pawns as I possibly could. Well, we all know the pawn doesn't really do much for you. It's, if anything, it's sort of a diversion to, to what you really should be focused on, which is the king of the other person. And so I would get so focused on accumulating these pawns that, that I would allow whoever I was playing to get around my pieces and ultimately get to my king. I was so focused on trying to get this big pile of pawns, these, these worthless pieces, that I, that I took my eye off of my king. And in so doing, I lost we do that in this life. We can get so caught up in trying to accumulate these things. And we realize that really what wins and lose the, loses the game is the king. You gotta have your focus on the king. And that king, guess what? He doesn't want your things. He doesn't want my things. He wants my heart. And the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
and I want him to be my treasure. And the amazing thing is, is that for each and every one of us, we are his treasure. And he gave everything up. Jesus told a parable about this. He gave everything to go and get that treasure. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for our perspective. I pray for our grip to be loosened. I pray for our focus, Lord, to be upon you, our King. As hard as it is, Lord, I also pray for our our hearts to transition to be managers, to be stewards, and to not worry about owning all these things in this world that are here today and gone tomorrow. Thank you, Father, that you've given us so much in Jesus. And dear Lord, we're grateful that we can come to you in his name. Amen. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.